Hi, I'm Hannah, team manager with the Orange Arrow Players Association, a nonprofit organization whose mission is to coach student athletes to aim for success off the field. Please consider making a play by giving, posting a friend raiser, subscribing to our podcast and YouTube channel, and staying connected on social media at Orange Arrow PA. Visit orangearrow.org for more information. Thank you for listening. Take aim. Welcome to Inside the Play Call with Orange Arrow, and I'm your host, Sean Robinson. And today, we have a very, very special guest, my guy, the OG, Mr. Paul Zeiss. Paul, what's up, boss? How are you? I'm good, but OG means I'm old. That's, uh, I'm not sure I like being called old, but I well, guess I am. I well, guess I like am. Seasoned, seasoned <laughs> veteran, because, you know, you know, I, I'm getting older, right? I'm getting older, and then, and I haven't played college football in a long time, but you covered me when I was playing college football, so. So, well, but, 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 how about I you don't say, look your age, though? Yes, I would say that basically, um, I've been, I, 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 old is probably a good way to describe it, seeing as, I guess it was last year I crossed over and I'm on, uh, you know, the back nine of my life, so to speak, as I am uh, now in the second half of my first century. Dig it, dig it. Back nine. So, wait, are you a golfer? <laughs> yeah, I love golf. Absolutely. I, I do, too. My granddad introduced me to the game, and I've been hooked pretty much ever since. I was living in Fort Lauderdale um, for about three and a half years, and to be able to play golf all year round, we're in the D.C. area now was a, I mean, it was a thing of beauty. I love the game. So how long have you been playing? Uh, I've been playing for a while, but I just really kind of got serious. Like two, two, three years ago, I decided I really wanted to start playing it. And, and I don't mean serious, like playing it for competition, but you know, right. take, take some lessons and actually start to get better as opposed to just being a guy who goes out and hacks. So, you know, exactly. I, I, I've, uh, I've, I've learned a lot about the game and, uh, you know, I've played a lot over the last couple of years. It's been a lot of fun. Well, now that I'm only a, a four-hour drive away from you, we've got this set of tea time. I'll definitely come to Pittsburgh. I'll be there in and out anyway, but we got to get out there and get around it. There's no question we'll play. I mean, we, you know, you you uh, you tell me uh, when and where, and I'll be there. We'll get it done. Excellent, excellent. So, Paul, you understand the importance of warming up and stretching. So I got a couple warm-up questions for you. You ready? Yes. All right, boss. If you want to listen to one musical artists, their entire catalog, only one musical artist for 30 days straight, who are you selecting? Well, um, you know, anybody listening to my radio show would probably be able to answer this for you. And that would of course be Earth, Wind and Fire uh, because uh, Earth, Wind and Fire, all my bumper music, all my ins and outs uh, from, the, uh, from, the, from the segments, it's all Earth, Wind and Fire. And they're my favorite group. Uh, so maybe that is another way of saying I'm old, but um i've been to let's see i think i've been to about 14 of their concerts over the course of time so i've seen i've seen them a lot i love the uh wide range of what they do in terms of uh you know their ability to uh, use uh, musical instruments i love the little funk sound i love you know the 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 voice of of philip bailey so yeah yeah, i'll say earth wind and fire yeah, not only are you maybe a little older, but you're definitely a wise man, because that's a strong selection right there. <laughs> now, any chance, did you see, so uh, on social media, basically, you know, when we were locked down the pandemic, uh, there was a versus on Instagram. And so they had, you know, legendary acts kind of go against each other, each other. So it was Earth, Wind & Fire versus the Isley Brothers. Did you get a chance to see that? 
I did not. I, I can't believe I missed that. But I gotta um, see your clip. Who won? That's all that I meant. That's so that's what matters, right? You know what? I, I would say the culture won. How about that? Okay, okay, that's yeah. a good answer. Yeah, yeah, that's a good answer. Won. Okay. <laughs> and so here we go. If favorite TV show of all time to this day, if it come on, if it came on today, you will sit down and watch favorite TV show of all time. Okay, well, this is probably another way to say that I'm old. But in the heat of the night this is my favorite show. I don't know if you ever watched that show. Yeah, I remember uh, the uh, theme song. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, with uh, with uh, Carol O'Connor and and Howard Rollins and uh, Alan Autry. You know, small southern town police uh, police. Uh, you know, show about a, a you know a police force in a small southern town and changing race relations in the you know early eighties, you know, into the nineties, um, but. I just love it. I mean, it's on reruns now. I watch it all every day still. In the heat of the night. How about that? In the heat of the night. That's really cool. Last one more question for you. If tomorrow you could wake up with any superpower, what superpower would you wake up with? I mean, does immortality count? I, mean, I was just watching a movie where, you know, about the immortals. Have you ever, I mean, I don't see how anyone could say anything other than immortality, right? I mean, most of the things we fear in life, we fear because we fear, well, that might, you know, we might die or that might kill us. Mm. If you're immortal, you ain't got fear of anything. So it doesn't matter. All right. Yeah. I mean, you just live through it all and uh, you continue to move forward. So, I mean, I would say immortality. That's just me. Let me ask you this, though. So I'm thinking about that. That sounds really cool. Do you think you would get tired, though? <laughs> I don't know. I just saw a movie. I, I forget what it was. I just saw, you know, every so often I go to the movie theater and yep. just say, and I just saw, I, I want to say Angelina Jolie might have been in it or somebody like that. Okay. It was about, it was about the immortals. You know, the if, if people have been on the earth and, you know, like they, they've been on the earth for like thousands of years. I mean, could you imagine how cool that would be though? I mean, if, if you were like around, you know, when Jesus walked the earth right. and then, you know, throughout the, you know, throughout the course of history and you got to see like Babe Ruth play and you got to see, you know, uh, you know, I mean, different wars. I mean, so many things that we we read about. But you, if you were immortal, would actually have been able to witness them by yourself. Yeah, I think I think, uh, you know, we were immortal. We'll be in a position to, to decide who's truly like the best basketball player ever because we've seen everyone. <laughs> like I was actually there when uh, when Will right. scored. I was there exactly. with Jordan. I was there with LeBron. I, so I, I'm the final decision maker when it comes to that. Then, <laughs> right? And you settle can, every argument. Every exactly. argument that people have, you could settle it for yourself. Right, and you can play golf forever. So how about that? <laughs> yeah, that's uh, even better. Right. So, Paul, take me back. Early beginnings, hometown. Where are you from? Your introduction to the sports. Kind of take it away a little bit. Well, I would say okay. So, I, I uh, I'm from uh, a small little area called Trafford. I went to Penn Trafford High School, which is right outside of Pittsburgh. Um, and I grew up. Uh, basically, sports were always a part of my life. I mean, you know, and, and I hate to sound old and wax poetic, but back in those days, you know, all this stuff that we have now, the AAUs and the you know travel leagues and all this other stuff and everything that's organized by adults, we didn't have all that, man. When I was growing up. You know what? We got the football. We went out to the, uh, uh, you know, we went out to the field and we played pickup football for like eight hours or until, you know, basically, you know, one of us uh, got got, you know, hurt so bad that we had to quit. Um, right. You know, we, we went out, we would play. 
basketball. We played pickup. You know, we played baseball. Uh, you know, with ghost runners if we needed ghost runners. And, uh, <laughs> oh wow, we took you back, ghost runners. Yeah, right. You know what I'm saying? Like we, that's what we do, man. We we would always have a good time um, in terms of of playing sports and learning how to play sports at a time when, um, you know, it was it was sort of our formative years, and we were just trying to basically um you know have fun but that's what we did all day long i mean you know nowadays i drive past these baseball fields and there's never kids just out there playing you know even if i see a couple of kids out there there's usually an adult pitching to you know or basketball courts man you go to basketball courts back when i was growing up you know you might you might sit out and wait for an hour to get on the court because there were so many people there now i don't see people playing so that was how we all grew up and learned how to play sports is that, you know, and, and sports has just always been something that was fun. Um, you know, the other part of it is we didn't have like video games, Sean, back then, really. So, you know, our, our parents and the other thing was it was a different time and place. Our parents generally at about eight in the morning on in the summers would be like, all right, go get out of the house and go find something to do. You know, right. nowadays we don't do that. But my point is I played sports a lot you know, growing up. And then I started playing, obviously, uh, in middle school, I started playing some basketball and, you know, I was actually really into soccer. I was actually a really good soccer player. That was my, my main sport was soccer. Um, what position did you play in soccer? I was always like the stopper, the sweeper or the goalie. I mean, okay. that was always, yeah, I was always on defense. Um, in high school, I played sweeper. Um, you know, I was all section like three or four times. I was, you know, I was, I actually was really good. And then I played, soccer and basketball in college uh, okay. I was at point I was at point park I had like a half scholarship for basketball and half for soccer so I mean I, you know I, I graduated I graduated with no student debt I mean you know which is always a big big thing and sports win. were a big part of it but as I was at college um and I was playing sports I also was writing uh started into the you know because I was in in, in school for uh, journalism and communications Okay. So I started, I started writing for the school newspaper um, and started kind of writing stuff about sports and, you know, the whole nine yards. So, I mean, uh, th that's when um, I started to think that maybe I can make a career out of sports, even though I'm not good enough to be an athlete. Right. I mean, like a professional athlete. Right. Um, I, I kind of started to, to figure out that, Hey, I think that I, I have a little bit of a, a, a talent for writing um, I, I kind of enjoy writing. I enjoy, you know, some of the uh, debates and back and forth that come with sports. And you know what? Let me make a go of this. So, uh, you know, I went to Temple, got my master's in journalism and started working as a, a correspondent for the Philadelphia Inquirer. Got a, got a job with the Vineland, uh, Vineland Daily Journal in, in New Jersey and uh, sort of the rest is history. So let me take you back a little bit. So young Paul, young Zeiss, where are some of the athletes you looked up to? Well, I mean, when I was growing up, I mean, here we go, back, back to your old. Um, you know, the, 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 the two that I thought, the two that were always, you know, when I was growing up, the two that I looked up to the most, Earl Campbell and um, Dr. J. I mean, those were the two guys that, I, you know, that I thought were great. Obviously, Franco Harris and Terry Bradshaw because they were, you know, local. Um, but in terms of the two athletes, I just admired the most Earl Campbell is who I wanted to be. And actually it's, it's why I was always a Houston Oilers fan, not a Steeler fan because oh. Earl Campbell, 
and uh, and, and then Do- and then Dr. J. I mean, um, Dr. J was was the you know forget about you know Jordan and and, and Kobe and all these other guys. Dr. J was the guy that made it all possible for those guys because he was the first guy really to play you know above the rim high flying you know all that other stuff that we you know we take for granted now dr j was the guy that kind of brought that and he kind of brought it over from the aba to the nba he was he was he was the man and um so to this day my teams are the houston oilers and the sixers because of those two guys of course the oilers died in 1996 for which I say the NFL for me died in 1996. But go ahead. Wow. Okay. All right. And you're, and you're a Sixers fan. Yes, I am. I mean, they, uh, they, they, this, this Ben Simmons situation. You know, it's a, you want to talk about you know one, um, I don't want one one bad decision to, to to bring a guy in. How it can completely wreck a team. Yeah. Um, that that's you know that is a classic example of it. Um, and his problem is, to be honest, his problem is simple. He's never, he's the same player now as he was when he was in high school. He's oh, never gotten better. That's okay. the problem. He's never developed. He's never gotten better. You, 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 the guy, that guy right now should be a, a absolute stud in, in the NBA. And he'll yeah, never be that. He, he'll never be that because he doesn't want to develop the parts of his game. He needs to develop. So one of the things you brought up, Dr. J, I'm not sure if you are aware of this, but he's actually a, an avid golfer. And so I had an opportunity to meet him once and, and been around him a couple of times because he used to live in Atlanta. He maybe still does, but he owned a golf course in Atlanta. So I played out the course a couple of times and um, really cool, really humble, approachable guy. And so uh, so it's actually cool to be able to share that because, you know, sometimes you, these people that, you know, deem celebrities or high profile individuals, but then when you meet him in person, you're like, oh man, you know, you no longer <laughs> a fan. But uh, but Dr. J, just as cool uh, off the court as he as he was uh, on the court. Right. Well, I, I, it wouldn't shock me because everything that I've heard about him. It's funny as much as I've been around and as many different people as I've inter- interviewed and many different places as I've been, I don't know that I've ever actually met Dr. J. Mm, okay. And and uh, and, and and that's yeah. crazy because I've yeah. I've met a lot of people. In this, yeah, you know, and, in, in this profession, and I was hoping because you spent some time in Philly, I was hoping that you you were you had the opportunity to you know the bump into him once. But uh, hey, 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 you're still young enough; you still got time to uh, to make that happen. Maybe, maybe someday I'll get a chance to play golf with him. How about that? That'd be amazing. That'd be amazing. So, so you spoke about the uh, finding that gift or that talent as it relates to to writing, and so uh, speak about like early on, like. Did you gravitate towards English and writing middle school, high school, or was it not until college that you felt to talk a little bit more about that? Well, to be honest, my strongest subject was uh, math. Always, always was math. I was really good at math. Uh, my first year of school, actually in college, I went to school for computer science, math and computer science. Um, but what happened was I sat around in the classes and looked around in the labs and said, I cannot do this. This is not me and I will lose my mind. Sitting behind a computer, programming things, you know, th- these people around me are getting all excited about, you know, these, these computer programs and all the other stuff. I just, I, I just want to get through this class and get it done. Yeah. Um, so I started thinking about what, what would I be good at? 
how, you know, what are some of the things I could do that I would be good at? And I, I really, you know, just kind of always had in, in high school, I always, you know, was a part of like the, you know, the little newspaper thing we had and the, you know, this and that. And I was always a part of, um, you know, the, even the yearbook staff writing little things for the yearbook oh, staff, okay. that yeah. kind of stuff. So I was always, you know, involved And the other part, the other thing I did a lot in high school, which maybe kind of tells you what kind of a nerd I was. I used to write letters to the editor arguing, you know, whenever I wrote it, read an article in the newspaper, I didn't like, I always, I, I write letters to the editor, ripping, <laughs> ripping wow. whoever the writer was. Um, <laughs> so uh, I just kind of felt like maybe I needed to, you know, change and, and go a different direction. And, and, you know, it, it suited me a lot better. Uh, my personality, it suited, you know, who I, who I am and what I do and, um, and I, and, and the lifestyle, it seemed like it would suit me a lot better too. Um, and so, you know, you, 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 you have to be in this, this uh, profession, very flexible and you have to be in this profession, you know, willing to like, sort of think out of the box and stuff like that and understand that every day might be different. And, 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 and there's some people that can't handle that, but that suits me perfectly. Mm. It's really cool because when we think about and some things we share with the young people that we work with, uh, especially like the college athletes who are no longer playing, trying to figure out what to do. I mean, oftentimes it's those breadcrumbs that, that tell a story that kind of helps shape um, potentially the, the direction you should be going. So hearing your background is pretty awesome just to say, you know, before before it was a uh, your livelihood, you were writing letters to the, to the editor. You know, you were in the in the yearbook, and then it continued, and then and then you foster and develop it, and, and now now this is something that uh, you know you truly truly love and enjoy, and it, like you said, it totally fits you. And so so you were in Philly for for a little while. So when did you return to Pittsburgh, and and what brought you back to Pittsburgh? Well, um, I actually was in Philly, and then I got a job in New York City working at the NBA at the uh, uh, you know writing for the NBA.com and Hoop Magazine and all their publications so i had to move up to north jersey i actually worked in manhattan um but at the time you know i was working in manhattan and and uh you know commuting from north jersey i had little kids and you know sometimes your lifestyle um you have to decide you know do you want to have you know you the lifestyle and the career, you know, or do you want to be in a career where you're going to be away all the time and you're never, you know what I mean? And so I just made a decision. I got an opportunity to join the Post-Gazette in the sports department and, you know, it's home and I've got family here. And at the time I had little kids. And um, so I just decided, you know what, this is going to be the best thing for me as a, uh, a father and everything else. And also I'll still be able to do the, the career that I want to do, you know? So I was able to move back home and I was able to, uh, you know, basically move back to, you know, Pittsburgh, which is a lot smaller city than, than New York and, you know, nothing against New York, but I just think it's a really difficult place to raise kids. So, uh, yeah. you know, I, I wanted my kids to be in, you know, a really good school system, um, which I was able to do when I got back here. And also I wanted to be involved in my kids' lives. And, you know, my job there would have prohibited it. My job here 
made it possible so that even though, you know, I was busy and working hard and sometimes traveling and all the other stuff, I still had a lot of time to be around, you know, my kids. No, that's amazing that you share that, uh, especially, especially the timing. Um, the, uh, my wife and I, part of, as I mentioned, we were in Fort Lauderdale, we recently moved to the D.C. area. And part of that is because be close to the friends and family it had that village because we are expecting our first child uh in the spring and so 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 well, congrats thank you i appreciate it appreciate it and so 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 to, to hear you talk about that because you know when you have children like you had to figure that out you know factor that in as far as the decisions you make because it's no longer about you you know what i mean it, it's about it's somewhat bigger than you and then now me as well and us and so and having that support system you know like you said going back to to the pittsburgh region um was a wise decision and so you go back to Pittsburgh, we, we, around what year was this when you started with the Post-Gazette? Uh, I think it was 1998, 99, something like that. 98, I think it was 98. So, oh, no. yeah. Go ahead, go ahead, please. You yeah, so it was, yeah, so it was 98. Uh, I got back to Pittsburgh, started with the Post-Gazette. Um, and then, you know, I started out pretty much covering high schools. And, you know, I did West Virginia football and, you know, some of the, the, the beats that, you know, we don't have like full-time people committed, you know, committed to, but, you know, so, and then I worked my way up to covering you guys at Pitt, you know, I became a full-time Pitt guy, you know what I'm saying? And then uh, after that, I sort of became uh, a columnist, you know, so I've, you know, I worked my way up a little bit at a time, but, you know, the bottom line is um, I started out covering high school, high school basketball, high school football, whatever. Yeah, and so you started in 98. That's when I, I started Pitt in 98. So, yeah, I, I didn't know that you were early early in your career, at least in Pittsburgh, when I, when I was a student athlete at Pitt. And we've always had great interactions. Um, yeah. And, yeah, th thank you. For so that team. insight, the insightful that you had, the, the, the uh, what was it, uh, punt the return? Punt return, yeah. What was that, 2001 or something, 2002? 2002, 2002. Yeah, yeah. Yep. 2002. 2002. So, yeah, there you go. I mean, so you, you, you know, that would have been uh, my first year, second year covering pit full time, something like that. Yeah. And so, so one of the things, another thing we share with the, the student apps we work with, and I feel like it makes so much sense and it falls right in your, uh, your wheelhouse is the power of relationships. And so thinking of, you know, covering high school sports, college sports, you know, you got to get stories, you got to have a relationship, people got to trust you, speak to the importance and the power of relationships. Well, I think that's, first of all, in this business, that's a 100% is your relationships, you know, and it goes beyond a lot of different things, Sean. I mean, you know, I, I mean, I, I, I got, I had a, a good relationship with a lot of other people in media, you know, a lot of the other people around town, some opportunities came up to, um, you know, do some TV and radio work and, and, and they came up because you know, I, I was like friends, for instance, with Bob Pompiani, who's like the big, the big kahuna here in, in, in you know, KDK TV. And, um, you know, he said, hey, I think you'd be interesting. I think it'd be interesting to have you on our, our, our you know, roundtable show, you know, and see how that works. And that, you know, I've been doing TV now for, I don't know, since about 2003, something like that. So, wow. you know, I've been doing TV. Well, then, you know. Uh, a guy that I knew who was a programming director for radio 
we would meet at the, you know, we would like talk at different social events and different sporting events. And we got to talking and he said, you know, I've watched you on TV. I think it could be, maybe be decent on radio. So he gave me a shot to do some, you know, radio part-time. And then, you know, I think in uh, 2012 or so, I got hired full-time, you know, full-time doing my own talk show. So, you know, people, people, you know, though all of that stuff came because of relationships. And I think it's important to know that every person you meet is valuable. Yeah. Like if you treat people the right way, which I do, I mean, I'm sure there's some people, if you go out and you find somebody that might say, oh, he was mean to me. For the most part, I try and treat people the right way. I try and yeah. be fair with people. And you know what? Sometimes what we do in this business, it's not always, um, it's not always going to be, uh, you know, uh, a bed of roses. You know what I'm saying? Right, right. And, and it's not always going to be super niceties. Um, but what I've found over the years is if you have good relationships with people, they know that you're fair. You know, even if they don't like what you write, they'll give you the benefit of the doubt. And, and, and I think it goes without saying you have to make sure that you are always fair. You always have to make sure that you understand that re relationships are important. And, you know, there's times when I've had to write stuff that really isn't all that flattering about somebody. I always made sure I showed up the next day uh, in the locker room or at the practice or whatever, because I always say, listen, if we're going to have this discussion, let's have it. You know, let's have a discussion. And if you're, you know, um, but I think that it goes for any walk of life. Doesn't yeah. matter. I mean, in this business or any business, if you can't establish good relationships with people, you're going to have a really hard time moving forward or getting to wherever it is you want to go because people, you're going to need people to help you. But more importantly, you're going to need people, uh, you know, to, 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 recommend you and you're going to need yeah. people to give you word of mouth uh hey there's a job over here you might be interested in or whatever right. um so to me i've always tried to treat people right i think that's one of the reasons why i've had a lot of success is because i've really made that something i pride myself on is treating people right being fair trying to you know get uh, you know trying to get back to people if they call me or you know email me or whatever now Email has become so cumbersome. I can't possibly get back to every single person. But the bottom line is I try and really interact with people as much as I can, because that's really um, sort of the life, you know, that's sort of the, the, the life of blood of all of us. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Very sound advice. And so you mentioned something I, I would like to dig in a little more. And so those times we have to write something that may be deemed unflattering about an individual. And if you have a relationship with them, I know you said you may speak to them, you know, in the locker room, what have you. Now, do you sometimes call people ahead of time before it's going to be uh, shared or is it more so, you know, maybe afterwards? No, uh, mostly afterwards, because I think that, you know, one of the things that happens sometimes is you find yourself getting into an issue. If you call somebody ahead of time and then they try and talk you out of it, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, now, I do. You know, if it's going to be something where it's like I'm accusing somebody of something or something. Obviously, I'm going to get a quote, you know, from them or I'm going to give them their opportunity to say things. But I mean, I mean, a great example. I think this is probably a recent example. You know, a couple of years ago, um, the Pirates had a third base coach who was a really nice guy. He was just terrible at being a third base coach. And, you know, he, you know, he was a guy that basically 
everybody that was coming around second, you knew he was sending them home, and they got more guys thrown out at home than any team should ever, ever do. So they were playing the Phillies one night. They're down by three runs in the ninth inning, which means you need three runs, which means you need three base runners, which means the first guy running in and scoring means nothing. Make sure that he's safe. Anyway, long story short, guy on first and second, okay? Dude hits a ball out to, like, the outfield. Guy on second scores. The guy on first, he sends him for some reason. Gets him thrown out at home. Mm. Okay? Yeah. As opposed, so yeah. as opposed to having the tying runs on second and third, right? right? You, now are, you now have two outs, and you still need – because you only have one runner on, you still need two runs. You you know, he basically ruined the inning. Yeah. So I wrote after that game, he's a great dude. He's been a great organizational guy. Find Maybe find him another job in the organization, but he can't be the third base coach anymore. This is just ridiculous. You know what I yeah. mean? Um, I'm not one that says fire this guy, but the way I get around saying fire this guy is let's find him another job. Gotcha. <laughs> let's find right. him another job within, right. within the organization. You know, I mean, it's, it is what it is. Um, but again, it's just a, a year and a half of the worst decisions on third base. So I get into my office the, the next day I get a, uh, actually I get a, on my phone, cell phone, I get an angry phone call from his wife. She's just screaming. Yeah, she's screaming at me. You know, he's trying to get a manager's job and this hurt and all this other stuff. So I says, well, you know, I let her, when someone's venting, I just let him vent. Yeah. I said, you know what? I said, I'm going to tell you what, I'm going to talk to Rick today. So, of course, now it's like, all right, now I got to go down to the pirate game. So I went down, went into the locker room. As soon as I walked in, the, the media relations guy, hey, Paul, Rick wants to talk to you right now. Okay. Let's talk, right. So we sat down. We talked for about a half an hour. It was fine. You know, he said his piece. He said, I understand you got a job to do, but I just like would like to explain this and that and everything. You know, this some of the things that you see out there, you know, you know, and he, and, he, and and he was right in some respects because Pirates had a few knuckleheads that ran through stop signs anyway, so it didn't matter. But, but so that day I wrote another story, a follow-up. Hey, here's what Rick had to say. You know? Okay. Wife sent me a nice email. At least you're fair. At least you're this, that. You know what I'm saying? So sometimes, you know, I think that you can you can really um, accomplish everything you're trying to accomplish in this business in terms of being fair and being, you know, critical, but being fair. But also, you know what? Maintaining relationships, you know, yeah. because... Every so often now, that dude will send me an email, you know, just sort of checking in. Hey, how you doing? I don't, you know, the whole point is it's, it's, it's always um, important that you do things the right way. If you do yeah. things the right way, even when they're ugly a little bit or even when they're tough, you know, if you do them the right way, A, you can lay your head on a pillow and, and know that you've done them the right way. And B, I think most people will respect you. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Do things the right way. One of the things that you do at a high level that I'm thoroughly impressed with is your radio show. Not just having a show, but you hold it down for a long period of time. That is a lot of talking. And, but it looks effortless, <laughs> looks easy. 
but just doing a podcast, I know some of the work that goes into it. So can you speak to like the work that goes into you were preparing for your, uh, your radio show? Well, I mean, I think the biggest thing is, um, the, you know, just like I tell all young journalists, right? It's, I mean, I guess being doing a radio show is journalism in some respects, but it's not really journalism, journalism. But I tell all journalists, I would tell all young people this, not just journalists, but uh, you have to read a lot. You have to really keep up with things. You have to read stuff that isn't necessarily aligned with your own value system or what you believe. You have to really try and have a critical thought process when it comes to information. And, and I think that that is where it starts. I mean, people say, well, when, you know, when, you know, when do you start preparing for your show? Well, you know what? I start preparing when I wake up because I'm, yeah. re you know, reading newspaper articles. I'm reading yeah. now for me, it's sports. You know, I do sports. So a lot of what I read is about sports. Right. It's the same type thing. I mean, I, I do read a lot of other stuff going on in the world because it's important to know. But my point is when I wake up, I pull up the ESPN app. I read, you know, I read a lot of the articles and try and figure out what's going on and what I missed from last night's, you know, sporting events. You know what I mean? I'll go to uh, different, uh, the, you know, NBA.com or NFL.com. Uh, you know what I mean? I'll read the sporting news, whatever. I just kind of, yeah. you know, sort of peruse through and see if there's stuff that I'm, it's interesting. That stuff that I need to know about that I'm probably going to form into a topic for my show. I mean, I don't think people understand that, you know, you, you form topics based on what you think will get people talking. Right. And it's not always, it's, it's, and actually it's never really, it's not always let's do clickbait and hot takes and all this other stuff. I mean, some people do their stuff that way, but that's not how you do it. Yeah. If you really want to be sustainable, you try and have thoughtful conversations every single night. And if you have thoughtful conversations every single night, people know what to expect from you. And I think that um, with me, you know, the research really starts when I wake up in the morning and start reading my newspapers and reading my, you know, uh, websites and, and flipping through Twitter and just seeing if there's any, uh, anything that's trending and this and that and everything. And then you go from there, you know, okay, I'm going to build this into a topic. Um, these are some of the thoughts I have on it, you know, and then, uh, okay, this is going to be a topic that I think is going to be interactive. So I'll leave this segment for phone calls, you know, for, for, for callers. Um, you know, this, this is a topic that really, you know, we're just going to, uh, I'm going to talk about it. We're going to go through it. Probably not going to elicit much response, but, um, so, you know, we, you know, if we get some callers, fine, if we don't, we can, you know, we'll, we'll move to the next one. So, I mean, my point is, I, I feel like, um, like anything else in this world, you really have to, uh, uh, be well-read. You really have to just sort of be aware of what's going on in this country or what's going on in the little, you know, even if you're a music writer, say you're a music, say you want to do a, you know, a musical talk show, you know, you want to do a talk show about music. Well, you have to listen to music in order to be able to talk about it. And you right. have to be able to understand that there might be music you don't like that you need to listen to so that you at least have an idea of what it is and who the artists are, right? Um, you know, Sean, I, I, they've actually started pulling me over. I've just started doing news talk a little bit, you know, politics and all that other stuff on right. KDK AM. Well, the thing, the thing that, that, that disappoints me the most is that everybody wants an echo chamber. You know, they want only 
you know, if you're uh, left wing, you only want left wing stuff. If you're right wing, you know, and it's like in right. uh, my show, I mean, I'm really kind of a third party all over the place kind of guy. I don't really, but my show, what we, what I try and do is look at each issue individually and talk about, you know, the way we resolve it. Um, but in order to do that, you got to read and be able to, to, to sit and listen to and watch stuff that maybe it doesn't align with what your values are, because how can you make an argument against something if you don't even know what the other side is? That's, yeah. uh, that's what I always tell people, you know, I've got you know, right wing friends that sit in front of Fox news all day long. And that's the only, that's their echo chamber. And I've got left wing friends that sit in front of MSNBC all day. And that's their echo chamber. And it's like, right. how do you know, <laughs> how do you, first of all, how do you know that there might not be a better way if you're only looking at it from one angle your entire life? Um, right. So I always tell people be well-read. You know, read things that, you know, uh, that, that maybe, you know, are from outlets that you wouldn't necessarily consider aligned with yourself. Um, and that goes for sports, too. I mean, you know, or music or whatever. Um, you know, you have to have a wide range of, of um, a wide range of knowledge in order to be able to form um, really intelligent, critical conversations. No, I totally agree with that. It makes me think uh, one of the things that's important with the work of Orange Arrow, Arrow is to build cross-cultural relationships. So we've been really intentional about bringing a, a diverse group of people together to develop life and social skills, but then also start to find out, you know, from that we're actually more alike than we are, than we are different. And so understanding different perspectives, understanding uh, different backgrounds, moving toward racial equity. So, so just hearing what you're saying is like, you know, Far too often we prejudge someone who may have an opposing view, partly because you, we only understand their viewpoint, and, and then also, and also sometimes we don't be we're even unaware of their viewpoint. And so the importance of hearing people out and be able to critically think, and then to your point earlier, is like treating people with, with respect. And if we disagree, we can respectfully dis disagree and still treat people with kindness and respect. And so, yeah. uh, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, you know, Sean, you know where the ultimate example of that is, don't you? Sports. Sports teams. Yep. When I played college basketball at Point Park College, right? Yeah. I had a variety. I, I had guys on my team, you know, from the inner city, you know what I mean, that grew up in, in, in the quote-unquote rough streets and isn't that near yep. thing. I had guys sitting on my right. You know, with a big chewing tobacco in their in their lip because they, they grew up on a farm somewhere out in the middle of nowhere. White guys, you know, that just happened to be good hoopers. You yeah. know, I I mean, I had guys that were you know uh, from all walks of life in the locker room. And you know what? When we we're in the locker room, we all got along. We all got together. We didn't. You know what I mean? After after games, we hung out. Sports is the ultimate example to me. The ultimate place. Where and believe me, it's not all you know, uh, rose a uh, bed of roses. But for the right. most part, it's the one place in the locker rooms is the one place where 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 a lot of that stuff talking about what divides us goes out the window because we're all in this together to try and win basketball games or in your case football games or whatever. Um, so you know we're going to set aside our whatever our differences are and get on the same page, and then you start spending a lot of time with people. Cause as you know, you know, when you play a college sport, it's, you know, practices, it's workouts, it's this, it's that, it's everything else. Then all of a sudden you start to get to know people. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you start realizing, you know, and, and we used to, we used to laugh 
because, um, you know, the guys, because I have a wide, wide range of music I listen to. But the guys on the, on the basketball team, we'd be driving to the basketball team, driving to the basketball game. We'd have the rap and we'd have this and that and everything. They'd be like, hey, Zeiss, you got any of that heavy metal, you know? <laughs> so, yeah. you know, guys that never heard rock and roll in their entire life. You know, we'd be, you know, I'd, I'd pull out Guns N' Roses or something and we, you know, we'd get going. Um, that was always the coolest thing to me about sports. That's why, you know, I, I've always gravitated to sports because I think it's the one place left where there are two things that we're losing. One, a meritocracy. Number one, you earn your spot. You know, in sports, you got to earn your spot. And I think, I think we're losing some of that. And, and number two, I think, you know, a united group of people from all walks of life who kind of forget where they're, you know, forget exactly where they're from or whatever. And, and I don't mean that in a negative way. I mean, they, they all, Hey, we're all in this here right now in the here and now we're together. Let's go together and march and try and get this done. So those are two things that I think sports can teach us all, no matter, even if you don't like sports. No, that that's, I'm with you there. Cause that's something I say often is that with sports, whether you're at point park, Pitt, Michigan, or Ohio State, a team, they come from all different walks of life. They come together to win a game. And when Orange Arrow rebrands that diverse group of people to, to win in the game of life. And, and, and if we're going to see a significant change as it relates to uh, race relations, we'll take a multifaceted approach. We need to make sure we be intentional about bringing people together. And so, Paul, as you know, the mission of Orange Arrow is to coach student athletes to aim for success off the field, off the track, out of the pool, wherever the playing arena may be. Why is it important to be successful outside of sports? Why, why is it? Yes. I, I think because in, in, I think you want to become a well-rounded individual, number one. Number two, I think the most important thing to, to remember is you're, you're, even if you make a career out of sports, um, it's going to last about seven or eight years. And, you know, if, if you're lucky, seven or eight years, you know, I mean, maybe, maybe you, uh, you know, you do the avocado uh, ice cream and, and water of Tom Brady and you can get 20 years, but for the most part, it's not, it's, it's, it's going to be a, 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 a you know, a, a real blip on your radar. And what you want to be able to do, you want to be able to be diversified enough that nobody can ever pigeonhole you into one thing. And, 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 and what I mean by that is if you're an athlete, okay, you're done, you're done playing sports. So what are you going to do now? Right. Uh, what, what are you going to do now? You know, and it's not just necessarily about making money. It could be in many ways, like what you're doing, mentoring young people, you know, teaching them some of the things that you learned over the course of your life and helping them get to where they want to get to. It could be, you know, going out and, and, and you know, starting some businesses. And, and, and really, you know, getting to a point where you have, you know, a lot of different, you know, your fingers in a lot of different places, uh, meeting a lot of different people and, 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 and really using, you know, your intelligence and using the ability that you have to bring people together uh, for good. And I think that there's so many, so many things to be, you know, um, I think that there are so many good things that come out of learning new things and doing new things and, and new adventures. But more, most importantly, um, the average, the average uh, span, the average career of a, of, a, of a football player, a pro football player, I think is about three years. Yep. Um, the, average, the average basketball player is about five years. 
I mean, you know, if you, you know, obviously the, the stars or whatever stay, stay in it forever, but with injuries and everything else, I mean, it's really difficult. Um, the other part of it, Sean, is about, I think it's, what is it, about 1.8% of college football players will become NFL players. Yeah. So you, you better, as you are in college, set yourself up, right, to be able to do other things if that sporting career doesn't, you know, doesn't happen. And, it, and, and, and you know what I mean? I, I mean, a great example is I'll use my son real quick. You know, he played at Pitt, played linebacker at Pitt for a bunch of years. He's a volunteer at Orange Arrow. Shout he was a volunteer Lions. at Orange Arrow, but, you know, he got, he went, you know, they, they registered every year, so he got five years. Well, he got two degrees, and he got a minor, and he, and, 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 uh, he also was able to take a number of electives. And, you know, he went to the Chargers or whatever for, you know, he got signed as an undrafted free agent, made it all the way through training camp, got cut. And he came home and I says, all right, well, what are you going to do now, Elijah? Are you going to, you know, you're going to keep working out and, you know, wait for that next call or what are you going to do? And he said, you know what, dad, I'm good. I got a, I got a, I got a, you know, I got to play in four NFL games. A lot of guys will never be able to say that. You know, I took, he goes, I took my shot at it. He goes, I got a good job offer waiting for me. It's time for me to get on my life. And you know what? He had options because he did everything he needed to do while he was playing football in college. And that's, exactly. you know, I'm not sitting here saying, oh, my son's great. What I'm saying is guys that really do, do well are the guys that's, that use sports to get to wherever they need to get to. And, and he, his, his options were, yeah, I can work out. You know, I think Buffalo called and a couple other you know, teams called, hey, you know. But the reality is his thing was I'm not going to chase this because it's not my priority right now. My, yeah. You know, uh, w- w- I have a, a really good job offer that's sitting here waiting for me um, because I did everything I needed to do in college. Um, I didn't just play sports and go back to my room. You know, I, I did everything I needed to do. Uh, I gave myself options. Having options is always a big thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great thing. It's a, yeah, and, and that's why we exist. Like, what are the other options? I mean, it's really about being more than an athlete. Paul. Thank you for your time. Thank you for you who you are. Thank you for your continued support. And I'm looking forward to when this weather break, getting out there on the golf course with you. Absolutely. There's some really nice courses down there in like Northern Virginia area down that way. I love that. I love, I love golfing down there. It's beautiful. Cool. If you're ever this way, let me know. I got my All clothes right, buddy. sitting here. I, I just got to knock the, uh, the snow off them now, bro. <laughs> <laughs> All right, brother. Thank you, Paul. Appreciate All you. Right. We'll see you, my man. Take care.